Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We're going to step into chapter 15 of the book of Acts, and so I encourage you uh, to turn in your Bibles to chapter 15. If you're watching us online, uh, turn on your devices, whatever you want, to follow along. We're going to land there. We're going to stay in there. We've been in a series called Acts, and it's really about serving Christ together. Uh, when Jesus was here on this earth and before he was ascended into heaven, he met with his disciples and some of the other believers, and he sh- shared with them that this commission, it was this mission that he gave all of us, it applies to us today, go into all the world and preach the good news. Share with everybody that you can find about, my, about who I am in Christ. So Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news. Preach the good news that I have come, I've died, I'm gonna, I'm di- I've died on the cross, because this is after his resurrection. I've died on the cross. Uh, you are forgiven of your sins if you put your faith in me. Go share that to everybody. And so the disciples, the apostles were going to all the different areas, and they were sharing the good news. And that is our assignment as well, is that we are to share the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone who, we, who is available to, whose heart is open to hear the good news. Um, Last week I shared about Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. We focused on how the gospel changed people's lives. And today as we walk into chapter 15, we're going to see some of the struggles of the church. And so we're going to go into some of the inward struggles of what's taking place amongst the believers. Do you know that churches sometimes have problems? I love the Bible because it exposes the difficulties. It doesn't just show the perf- that, that everything is perfect. That every- no, no. It actually shows that there can be difficulties. But how do we work through those things? And we're going to actually t- w- t- walk through that in chapter 15. Because I believe what's going to happen in this chapter, it's going to give us some insight into our salvation and the salvation of others. I want to share an overview of, of what is happening in 15 and give you some insight to Peter's declaration to the Jerusalem council that I believe is just a wonderful insight to God's wonderful gift of salvation. And as we start today, I feel like we, I did this first service, I feel like we need to do it again this service. I want you to say this with me, uh, these three words, gift of salvation. Will you say it with me? Gift of salvation. I never want us to forget that salvation is not something that we can ever earn, but that salvation is a free gift offered to us through Jesus Christ. I believe Peter's insight will help us to live more grace-filled lives. How many of you would like to live a more grace-filled life? I do. Less critical, more grace-filled. Let me give you a little synopsis of what's taking place in chapter 15. Luke records that there's some issues that are taking place within the church. And so Paul and Barnabas are up at Antioch of Syria, and they're preaching the good news. Now remember, before this, um, the New Testament believers were mostly Jewish, okay? And it wasn't until, we talked about this in chapter 8, it wasn't until all of a sudden Peter had this declaration that, that salvation was for all people that it opened up to the Gentiles as well. But these Jewish believers had come down from, or had come up from Jerusalem up to Antioch because they heard of everything that was going on. And I don't think, I don't know that they were meaning ill will. Sometimes we do things, guys, that I don't know that we are 
necessarily meaning ill will. We think we're doing something right, but not necessarily are we doing something right. Sometimes what we do can be wrong if we're not in the right spirit. And so these Jewish believers were coming up to Antioch, and they were sharing, for these Gentile believers to have salvation, they must be circumcised. And that's what they were preaching to the Gentiles. Well, you know, you have this, but now, guess what? You need to take the next step of circumcision. Now, you know, circumcision is great for a baby. But for a grown man, I don't know that anybody was really applauding this decision here that went about circumcision. But circumcision was a covenant that was set for the Jewish people to set them apart from every other nation. It was to set apart the Is- from Israel from every other nation. God made this covenant with Abraham for the Jewish people. That, you know what? You will be the father of many nations. I'm making this covenant. I'm setting this covenant. It was an Old Testament covenant that was in place, and the Jewish people were practicing this covenant. Now, some of these Jewish believers, and th- I want you to remember this thought, too. Some of these Jewish believers were Pharisees that had decided to put their faith in Jesus Christ. They converted from Judaism over to, and following after Jesus. And yet the old traditions, the old customs, the old things of the law were still in them. And so they were trying to apply what they had grown up with. They were still trying to apply that to these new Gentile believers. Gentile meaning non-Jewish believers. They were trying to apply this law to them as well. That all believers must be circumcised. Scripture states that Paul and Barnabas, man, they argued strongly against this teaching. And their argument was that circumcision was an unnecessary burden to place on the Gentiles. And that it would only hinder the relationship with Christ. And I believe what that meant was why it would hinder the relationship with Christ. Because all of a sudden they're going to start putting their faith in their own works. Come on. Instead of the Christ's work in us. So the church in Antioch decided to send Paul and Barnabas and some of the other believers and said, you know what, I want you, we were gonna, we're going to send you, this is a difficult topic, we're going to send you to Jerusalem, we want you to talk with the apostles and some of the elders in the church, and we want you to bring back a decision about this whole idea of circumcision. So this is what's taking place in the church, it's a big uproar, it's, a, it's something stirring. When Paul and Barnabas arrived in Jerusalem, they shared with uh, the people in the Jerusalem church. Remember, they were sent out as missionaries and they did a phenomenal job. And so they're sharing in the church how the wonderful things, how all these Gentiles were being saved and the the miracles that were taking place, supernatural healings, people being delivered of demons, people that were lame walking, people that were blind seeing, the deaf were hearing. There were things that were taking place. And it was during this same time that all of a sudden some Pharisaical Jewish believers, so those were the ones that had kind of converted from uh, the, the, the whole idea of, Phar- of the Pharisees of Judaism, and they're trying to follow Christ. But all of a sudden they stood up in the council and they said, hey, wait a minute, you know, that's all good, but these Gentiles that are being said, they need to get circumcised if they really want to be set apart for God. They need to be circumcised. As you can imagine, it stirred up quite a conflict. And then look at, I want, this is where I want to read verses 6, of, 6 through 11 of chapter 15. And this is our text for the day. This is where we're going to land for today. And I'm going to finish up with some more synopsis, and then we're going to go into the meat of the message here. But listen to these words, starting at verse 6. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me. Remember, we talked about this. God chose Peter to share that, you know, the good news is for all people. God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles 
And he went to the house of Cornelius so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts. And he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. He made no distinction between us and them, between the Jewish and the Gentiles. For he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God? By burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray over this word today as I just shared it. Let it become revelation to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. After Peter finished sharing, Paul and Barnabas began sharing about all the miracles that had taken place there among the Gentiles, which was just further confirmation of God's blessing upon the Gentiles. Then James stands up, and James is not the apostle, because James the apostle has already been killed by the sword. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. This is James, the brother of Jesus, and he stands up in the council, and he shared how the salvation of the Gentiles was prophesied in the Old Testament from way before in the book of Amos. That God had already, guys, God had already given us the insight. He had already forecasted for us that he was going to open up salvation for all people. Then James states, let's not make salvation more difficult for the Gentiles. Meaning, let's not burden them down with our unnecessary custom and laws that will distract them from following Jesus. So the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem, they got together and they wrote... uh, this letter, and you can read that, that letter in, in chapter 15, and basically they put together some, some regulations or some things that would just help the Gentiles from falling back into sin. Some things about making sure that they were, going to, that they were only going to serve the one true God, that they weren't going to serve other gods. And they put some other things in there that was going to help bring unity among the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. And then in verse 31 it states that after they heard the letter There was great joy throughout the church. There was no circumcision required. Great joy throughout the church at that point. And you know what? The the things that they were sharing were things that were going to help them to continue to follow Christ. Today I want to focus on verses 8 through 11, which is part of that scripture I just read here a a couple minutes ago. And that is Peter's response to the council. It's Peter's response to this meeting that was happening in Jerusalem. Peter's response really builds a foundation of God's wonderful gift of salvation. And we're going to go somewhere, and I want you to listen. Throughout history, people have tried to add things to the gospel. Throughout history, man has tried to say, well, it's great that you put your faith in Jesus, but you got to do this, you got to do this, and you got to do this as well. They will add to the gospel, and there is no need to add to the gospel. We are saved because of our faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. There is nothing, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do good things. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't walk away from sin and that we should start living in a righteous life. But what I'm saying is that when we make our commitment to Christ, when I say, Lord God, I am a wretched sinner, I am not deservant of anything, but by your grace, God, I I read in your scripture, I I hear it through the message, that I can have, by just putting my faith in you, I can be set free from my sins if I just choose to follow after you. That's the salvation message. That's the gospel. There's nothing else that should be added to that. 
And we as, as people want to continue to add things. And Peter, in his statement, cuts through all, the, all that clutter and gets to the simple truth of God's wonderful gift of salvation. And I want to share it with you today. The first truth that I want to share is P, that Peter addresses is this, is that God knows the heart. You see that in verse 8. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's part of the Beatitudes. It's one of the wonderful things. that Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Yet none of us are pure in heart. Have you ever thought about that? If you really think you're pure in heart, Jesus would probably call you a Pharisee. None of us are pure in heart. How do we reconcile that? In fact, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says the heart is deceitful above all things. You know that. I know that. If we don't put our heart in check, man, it can go crazy, crazy places. I believe pure in heart represents those who have chosen to live by faith and allow the power of Jesus to set them free from sin. That's the pure in heart. It's what David writes in Psalms 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's pure in heart. By faith we are willing to allow God to change our heart. Are you willing to allow God to change your heart? Even if you're older, like me, or even older than me? Are you so set in your ways that you won't let God touch your heart? You see, our heart will never be ever perfect, pure. Only Christ is perfectly pure. But, that, but if our heart is seeking after God, then guess what? We can have the heart of Christ in us. Peter writes that God knows our heart. Meaning that God doesn't judge us from an outward appearance, but God judges us from what's happening inside. He knows if our faith and trust is in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, the Pharisees who had converted to follow Jesus were struggling with this whole idea of circumcision. They weren't willing to give this up yet. They were trying to hold on to this whole idea because they viewed circumcision. Now listen, they viewed circumcision as an outward deed that displayed their loyalty to God. And it really was. In the Old Testament, it was a covenant between God and man. And this circumcision showed that if you were willing to do that, guess what? You were loyal to God. But Peter is identifying something different about circumcision. It's not about outward appearance. It's about an inward transformation. You got it. Paul writes in Colossians 2 verse 11... He says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. When all of a sudden, when we come to Christ, we accept his spirit upon our lives. All of a sudden, what should happen into our hearts is it starts to cut away those things that are not desirous of God. starts to remove the hardness of our heart and starts to make it a heart of flesh that all of a sudden is receptive to the spirit of God. starts to change us from the inside out. I'm preaching good. I don't know why you guys aren't saying more. Thank you. You see, the Pharisees were veterans at this appearance of outward righteousness. They were, really look, they were really good at looking good. 
They knew how to say the right things, do the right things, outward righteous. But they were rookies when it came to inward purity. They were horrible with the, the areas of inside their life. They might say one thing but be thinking a whole other thing. Meaning that they would bite their tongue. They would restrain their anger. They would bottle up all those emotions so that they were thinking that that was holding them away from sin. But on the inside were thoughts of murder and adultery and sexual immorality and so on and so on. They might be saying one thing, but they were thinking a different. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not a bad thing to bite your tongue sometimes. It's not a bad thing to restrain yourself at times. But it's not for the purpose of hiding your own sin or your own hatred, but it's for the purpose of correcting your attitude. If you're biting your tongue just because you don't want people to see what's really on inside your heart and you don't want to let that be exposed because you're trying to appear good, you'd be better off not to bite your tongue. But if you're biting your tongue not to say something because you know in your spirit that's not of God. And your attitude is, oh God, create in me a clean heart. Help me, Lord God, renew a right spirit in me. Set me free from that thought, Lord. Help me. That is the heart that God is looking after. Jesus dealt with this subject when he said, you've heard the commandment, you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The goal for us as we follow after Jesus is not just to appear to be different, it's to be different. It's more than just appearance. It's having a heart that's chasing after God. If we live by appearance only, then in reality we have no true relationship with Jesus. We are living in a facade, trying to appear that we are righteous, but in reality we are living far from God's truth. The Pharisees were constantly trying to defend their self-righteousness. Did you hear me? The Pharisees were constantly trying to defend their self-righteousness. The prayer, if you remember when Jesus talks about it, Oh, thank the Pharisee in the temple. Oh, thank God that I'm not like that publican, like like that tax collector over there. Thank God I'm not like that. They're constantly trying to defend their own self-righteousness. You cannot. Why are you trying to defend any righteousness that is completely worthless to God? The only righteousness that God will ever look at is his son's righteousness in you. I'm going somewhere. You better follow along with me. When King David sinned by sleeping with a married woman named Bathsheba. This is a phenomenal story if you've never read this this story. But he literally goes out and kills her husband. To try to cover up his sin, he commits murder. This is is the the man that the Bible says that, that David has a heart after God. Huh? What? Are you kidding me? It took the prophet Nathan to come to reveal David's sin to him. He, he was so in-depth in sin that he was re- literally deceived that there was nothing wrong. After Nathan exposed his sin, David admitted and confessed his sin. It was a painful time for David. He lost his son over this whole scenario. It wasn't easy. It's from this pain that David writes this truth written in Psalm 51, verse 17. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Without repentance, there is no forgiveness of sins. It's part of the salvation message is that we have to be able to repent of our sins, 
turn away from our sins and chase after God. Doesn't mean that you'll never sin again. It's just meaning that your focus is Christ. And if somehow you make a mistake, God has it covered. Just keep following after me. Bottom line is this. Peter is writing this. God knows your heart. That's the thing is Peter's trying. Wait a minute, guys. God knows the heart of the Gentiles. These converts that are coming to Christ. Is your heart seeking after God? Is your heart broken because of sin? This is the heart that God will not reject. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I grew up as a little kid. How many ever grew up as a kid hearing those words that your, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? I did. Constantly from my parents. My parents are pastors. They were drilling that into me every day. That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That you can't go do this. That you can't go because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The whole idea behind that is mean that we should strive towards honoring God by allowing God's spirit to change us. We are no longer our own when we choose to follow Jesus. Our life belongs to God. Is your heart welcoming to the spirit of God? Does your heart welcome the Spirit of God? Think of it this way. Um, have you ever rented an apartment or a house? Um, and when you rented the house or the apartment, you came in and there were different kind of rules and regulations. One of the things is that you can't paint any of the walls. You got to leave everything alone. Okay. And we don't want you to put any nails in the in the walls. We don't want you to hang up any pictures or anything because we don't want the nail holes in the walls because this we want we don't want to repair any damage to the house at all. This is our house. You're welcome to live in it, but this is our house. And and also by the way, there is no pets allowed. So your 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 family pet that you guys love so much, you can't bring that into the house as well. Now you're either gonna choose to live by those rules or you're gonna say, forget it, I'm not coming into that house, right? Because it's just it's not gonna ever feel like home. If you can't hang up your own pictures, how is it going to feel like home? If you can't even paint the walls or, or if you can't bring the family pet that you so love, how is that house ever going to feel like home? The property owner doesn't mind that you live there. Just don't change anything. You just won't stay long there. If you stay there at all, you just won't stay long. The Holy Spirit will reside in a home that he can make his own. The Holy Spirit will reside in a home that he can make his own. I'm going, follow along. He will not reside in a dwelling place where he cannot make changes. If you are so set in your way that you say, I'm not going to, this is how I am. I like to go out Friday nights. I like to get drunk because it's just something I do. It takes the edge off me for Monday, and so this is what I do. By Sunday, God, I'm pretty well halfway back, okay when I get back to church, but it's okay. and This is just the way I am. I'm not going to change. It doesn't matter if it's making a, a huge separation between me and my wife. It doesn't matter that I sometimes get a little heavy-handed with my kids. It doesn't matter. This is the way. I'm not going to change. I don't, want to, I don't want to forgive that person who said that. You know what? That person doesn't, doesn't deserve my forgiveness. I'm not going to do that. The Holy Spirit is going to have a hard time residing in a home that doesn't belong to him, that doesn't feel like home. Is your heart ready to, for change? Can, can God tear down some broken walls? Can God hang some new mental pictures in your house? Some pictures that maybe need to be replaced because they keep flashing. Can God replace those with some really good things? Can God create some new space for his love? 
Can God bring forgiveness into your home? Is there room for God's righteousness to be displayed on the dining room table of your place? Can you allow room for the Holy Spirit to reside? See, God knows whose hearts are receptive to him. And our prayer should be that of David's. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew within me a right spirit. This brings me to a second truth that I see. Boy, it got quiet in this place. Whew, come on. This brings me to a second truth that I see from Peter's address to the council regarding salvation. So the first one is that the first, the first whole thought that I already forgot. God knows the heart. And then God confirms by his spirit. You can see that in, in those verses. I think it's verse 10. God confirms by his spirit. Peter was sharing with the other Jewish believers that God made no distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles. He made no distinction between us and them. God gave the power of the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles just like he gave us the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Listen to what the Bible states in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. Come on, God. And give you a tender, responsive heart. Isn't that powerful scripture? I will do that for you. If you choose to follow after me, invite your, my, me into your life, my presence is going to change you. It's going to change the way that you were living that you actually hated, but you just don't know how to get out of it. I'm going to change that for you. I'm going to change your heart. Peter was saying that the evidence that God had accepted the Gentiles is that God gave them his spirit. There's no requirement of circumcision for, the, for, for them to receive God's spirit. It's, that, it's the proof that God has accepted them. So basically, if you're taking it to the court of law, if you're bringing it, presenting it to the judge, Peter's saying to, the, to this council in Jerusalem, why are we questioning their salvation? Come on, guys. They've been given the Holy Spirit. The Greek word in, used in verse 8 means to bear witness. It's literally that the, the Spirit of God is bearing witness that these men and women were saved. Peter is stating that the very Spirit of God was testifying on their behalf that these Gentile people, these Gentile Christians are mine. They belong to me. Speaking that God saying they belong to me. And it's a powerful statement. It's why Peter makes such a bold statement in verse 10. Peter was at the council among all of his Jewish peers and believers. And he makes this statement, why are you challenging God? That's a statement that should make, put fear into all of us. Why are you challenging God? If God has accepted the Gentile Christians, then who are you to challenge God's decision? And it's a great reminder for all of us. Who are we to judge? Who are we to challenge who God decides to save and not save? If God chooses to pour out his spirit upon a people or a person that maybe we don't even understand or, or disagree with, who are we? We need to say, yeah, God, just more of you. Just more of you. It, it, it reminds me of the story, which is one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible, is the Samaritan woman at the well. And it's just such a powerful story for me. Because here's a Samaritan woman who were really despised by the Jewish people. They were the kind of the, I think the Bible talking about, they were literally almost like the scum of the earth. That's how they viewed these people. And Jesus goes out of his way 
on a, on, a, on a trip. He goes out of his way to go through Samaria to find Jacob's well because he has an encounter with a Samaritan woman who he is going to give living water to. He's going to change this person's heart who is so bound up with sin, who is so bound up with rejection, who is so bound up with all these different things. She had no way to set herself free. And Jesus enters into her life and sets her free. Gives him. She runs out there, leaves her pails and starts sharing about this prophet that's talked about all my sins. How he's going to, how he's the savior of the world. He's the Messiah. It's a beautiful story of redemption. God confirms by his spirit, and God confirms your life by his spirit. This is really important, because for you and for me, for salvation, I think it's really, under, it's really important that we understand this in our life. Does the spirit of God reside in you? Is God's love for others present in you? Is God's desire for righteousness in you? Is God's desire to forgive in you? It's a great thermometer for your life. The spirit of God should be present in you. And he should be visible in you. He shouldn't be. Back in the day, years ago, I had a friend up in Marysville, Washington. Love this guy. Still love him today. But he's just that friend, or maybe you've had a relative like this. One of those friends or relatives that you just don't want to introduce to a lot of people. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? He's kind of that closet friend. You just bring him out once in a while, but you don't bring him out a lot. Because you never know what he might say. And he's going to offend somebody. You just know it. And you don't got, you're kind of careful with, oh, I don't want. Jesus is not that kind of friend. He's not a closet friend. He's a friend that sticks closer to the brother. He's a friend that you bring out. He's a friend that you introduce to others. He's a friend that can change people's lives. He's a friend that's changed your life. Why can't he change someone else's life? He's not someone you hide away. You bring him out and say, hey, have you met my friend Jesus? Let me show you about Jesus. He's changed my life. He set me free from sin. He set me, from, set me free from burdens that I didn't know how to be set free from. He set me free from addictions that had such a strong hold on me. And in the power and the name of Jesus Christ, he set me free. He healed my body. We can go on and on and on. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives your life meaning and purpose. He's the friend that you want everyone to meet. Finally, let me share one last thought from Peter's address to the council. He shared these, those two previous, and then the last thing he shares, through faith, God saves by his grace. I started off today by saying, for all of us, it's the gift of salvation. Salvation is not by anything that we do, it's by the gift of grace, God's grace. Peter has challenged his peers. He asked them in verse 10, why are you wanting to burden these new believers down with traditions and customs that neither we nor our ancestors were able to even bear or to carry? And it's a great reminder for all of us. Others don't have to go through the same journey we went through. Others don't have to carry the same burdens we might have carried. Don't try to put on your baggage onto someone else. All they have to do is follow Jesus Christ. Peter then makes this powerful closing statement at the council. I can imagine that the room is filled and there's just, you know, everybody's in this discussion about circumcision. And all of a sudden, Peter makes this closing statement about salvation. And we find this statement in verse 11. 
He says, we believe that we were all saved the same way, right? By the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. The only hope of our salvation is in Jesus. There is no hope of the hope. Peter makes that declaration. He says, we're all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of Jesus Christ. And I believe he just dropped the mic and he walked off the stage. That's how I read it in Scripture. You can read it for yourself and see. But it says in the following Scripture that the audience became silent. That's why I think it was a drop the mic moment. The audience became, Paul and Barnabas got back up and started sharing about the miracles that were taking place among the Gentiles. But the audience was silent. Were they silent because Paul and Barnabas were sharing about the miracles? Or were they silent because all of a sudden, man, Peter just hit them right between the eyes. And he said, you know what? If these guys don't deserve salvation, neither do you. It's undeserved grace of God where we find our salvation. It's through Jesus Christ. Without Jesus in our life, we are all but sinners in the eyes of God. Our salvation is found by our faith in Jesus. We can never separate. You can never separate your salvation from Jesus. Otherwise, you just don't have salvation. Because we are all saved by His grace. Therefore, the question is, why are we to judge who's saved and who's not saved? Isn't that something that we need to leave to God? I believe so. I think it's, it, I think it's, that, it's that truth that we can find in our heart. It's not meaning that, don't get me wrong, it's obvious that someone is absolutely going down the road of sin and they're just choosing to do all these wrong things and they're destroying people's lives. And I, I get that. I understand that. And we, we should help steer those people back to Christ. But I'm talking about people that we just don't see. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Don't judge. You don't, you've not walked in their shoes if they have faith in Jesus Christ. And this is the thing for all of us that it should give us greater hope than ever before. It's a great reminder for all of us that there's no one that's outside of God's reach of grace. There's no one outside. Your children are outside of God's grace. God's grace can reach them. Your spouse, guess what? God's grace can reach them. Your father, God's grace can reach them. Your mother, God's grace can reach them. That wayward child, God's grace can reach them. No one's outside of the grace of God. Now it's their choice. They have to choose to put their faith in Jesus Christ, but no one's outside of their grace. We just need to open our hearts and believe in Jesus. I think Peter's words that day were so powerful. There was a struggle in the church of what's going on. And Peter just clears all of the struggle. And this is something, maybe a takeaway, and I didn't think about this in first service, but I give it to you. Peter clears all the struggle. Do you have struggles in your life at times? And you need to clear all the struggles? How did Peter clear the struggles? By just focusing back on Jesus. See, sometimes in our lives when we get so much clutter there, all we need to do is say, you know what? I'm just going to put my focus back on Jesus. And He sets you free. Lord, we thank You for Your Word today. I pray today for each and every one of us that we truly understand that our salvation is a gift and that our salvation is found in you alone. There is no other way. It's not through our goodness. It's not through our works. It's not through, not, not that any of those things are bad. Those are good things that we should do. 
But those never will earn our salvation. Our salvation is earned only by our faith in you. And I pray today for some of those who are struggling, Lord God, from sin, who are struggling with the past, who are struggling with brokenness, who feel undeserving of your grace, who feel undeserving of your love. God, I pray you set them free in Jesus' name right now, that they be set free from the, the things of Satan, the things that are trying to hold them back from entering into a relationship with you. I pray, God, that you would stir their hearts. I pray that you would circumcise them today in such a way that that, that heart that is of stone God, it will start to turn into flesh once again and be set free to be able to worship you. I pray for everyone here today that, Lord God, that our faith would be in you. If you're here today, if you're watching us online, if you're in the audience, and you've never made a decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ, which basically means that you're choosing to follow after Jesus, you're allowing the Spirit of God to change your heart and your life. And you want to make that decision today, raise your hand real high today. Just raise it real high. Eyes closed, heads bowed for just a minute. Raise your hand real high if you want to make that decision today. And if you're watching us online, I see those hands. If you're watching us online today, and you want to make that commitment to Christ, you're saying, today, I'm making that choice. I want us all to say this prayer together. And I want to say it in a way that we mean it. Even if, if you've accepted Christ 20, 30, say this prayer with us today and mean it in your heart. Lord Jesus, today I choose to follow you. I ask that you set me free from my sin. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to do what is right. Give me freedom today, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. God good? Yeah, He is faithful, guys. He will never leave you, nor will He ever forsake you. His love is always there. It's always present. All you have to do is to reach in and ask Him for His love and His forgiveness, and He will give it to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast. Because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.